I don't in any way encourage black people to go out and initiate acts of aggression indiscriminately against whites. But I do believe that the black man in the United States and any human being anywhere is well within his right to do whatever is necessary by any means necessary to protect his life and property, especially in a, in a country where the federal government itself has proven that it is either uh, in, unable or unwilling to protect the lives and property of those human beings. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm Harrison. What's cracking there, Harrison? Sounds like uh, you're having a hell of a day. It's one of the, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, well, it's like, I still have to do this. We still have to do this show, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, that's, that's like my life, man. That's, that's yeah. been my life for like 14 years. I used to only fantasize about quitting it like once a week and now it's like three times a week. Oh, do I, I fantasize every yeah. day, sometimes yeah. multiple times a day. Sometimes yeah. I masturbate thinking about it. Right. Of just being free. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's an albatross, you know. It's like a curse. But I, I thought you were all like excited to go out looting and in the rioting and get yourself a new TV or something. Weren't you, I got, weren't you excited about that? Food poisoning, man. I can't go out, you know. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm. It's hard to go looting with food poisoning. Yeah. You know, it's not not going to work out. Did um so so the city right now imposed a six p.m. curfew, so we couldn't even go out if we wanted to. Uh, because of all the riots that are going mm-hmm. across, well, across the nation, actually. There's like 30 cities across the nation with heated demonstrations and protests. Um, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, in particular, has been having different areas of the city having these protests. So la- last night, it was actually kind of near me. I live in K-Town, but it was right over there, sort of mid-city, like uh, by the Grove. Um, it's like where CBS CBS studios are, like Third and Fairfax area. Yeah, they were right by the Writers Guild. Too. Yeah, right by the Writers Guild, and 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 also downtown LA has been going off as well. Yeah. And they have like it's the nice full that, national nice guard sprinkling it around, you know. I like yeah, it's, it's good different areas. Mm-hmm. But uh, today they're in Santa Monica, and Santa Monica wasn't even fucking around. They're just like four p.m. curfew, like mm-hmm. four, because they they just and I think the curfew just means great. Now we're allowed to arrest protesters without any kind of civil liability issues. Because you are allowed to go out and protest. and, do, and But, I mean, you, I think they just kind of want to shut it down as peacefully as possible. Yes. But it was kind of crazy, like, seeing all this footage of these guys going into, like, you know, like the fucking shoe stores by the Grove or the Gucci store mm. and, like, smashing windows and, you know, spray-painting, ac- like, uh, ACAB and... Mm. uh and like pigs, death to pigs, and, and fuck you. Like it was pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Especially just uh, you know, what the, but there were some. I don't stores. know. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it for some reason. You're not feeling the looting of Beverly Hills. Yeah, I don't know why. Normally, I feel like I'd be <clears throat> down, but I'm just like, I, you know, I don't know. Like the- TSTL, too sad to loot, baby. Yeah, that, that, that's 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 your typical motto. <laughs> that's <laughs> words to live by. I, you know, 
I went tried to go down there yesterday. We took off and went to uh, Chipotle. I went and stopped over there. And Animals. Yeah, I don't know why. What the fuck is that? <laughs> um, All right. We went over there, and they were like, yeah, there's an 8 p.m. curfew, so we stopped serving food at 7, so everyone could leave. So I was like, fuck. And so then I was like, just drop me off kind of nearby where the riots are, because I just want to kind of check it out, you know, mm. get a couple photos, make some memes, you know, mm. the typical thing. And so I, as we drove up La Brea and got closer to 3rd, they just had everything blocked off. And they're just, cops are just like, go home, and you're going to get arrested. Mm. So it's... You know, I don't know. I mean, I, it's a $5,000 fine, and it's a felony if you get arrested for this. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of content not just kind of watching it from afar. But it is kind of crazy. I mean, there's like last night helicopters all night and police sirens. Today hasn't been too disruptive. But I don't know. I, I saw uh, some some photos of the aftermath, and they went and like spray-painted you know, fuck the pigs all over the kibitz room. They got the kibitz room. You know, by Cantor's, you ever been there? Um, No, it's the kibitz room. So it's this cool little bar attached to Cantor's uh, deli, and uh, they never hurt anybody. Hmm. They go over there and, uh, and, and, and spray paint it and deface it. Bastards. Hmm. Um, I was thinking, like, if I went looting... I don't know if I would loot Beverly Hills because I don't really want any of that stuff. I'd probably, what I'd end up doing is like try to loot Amoeba and it would take me so long to flip through those records to find what the records I want uh-huh. that it sort of defeats the purpose. I'd probably get arrested. Yeah. So you kind of have to like, you have to kind of just be like smash, grab, I just want to get this shit. Like that's why they always mm. go for the shoes at the shoe mm. stores, you know? Mm. But anyway... Um, what started out as a peaceful demonstration uh, for uh, you know protesting the death of George Floyd by the hands of the Popo, um, now it's becoming uh, it's becoming violent, and right. I've I've seen quite a few articles saying that far right extremists are showing up with guns mm-hmm. to these protests against police brutality, and uh, they're egging on violence. You know, right. carrying out acts of violence against protesters, smashing. Like, there's a, a video of, um, he was uh, obviously a white guy wearing a mask. And just, there's like a protest going on, a bunch of black people with like megaphones that were doing mm. chants. And this guy just out of nowhere just takes a, a bat and just starts smashing all the windows of an auto zone. Mm. And people are saying that that guy is a cop or was a cop. Mm. And so... Now people are saying that these guys are showing up wearing their uh, their their Hawaiian shirts, which is the signature uniform of the Boogaloo Boys, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they're they're uh, going there and they're mm-hmm. like smashing things, trying to incite riots and trying to incite the violence. So people are saying that uh, you know what they want is a violent confrontation with law enforcement mm-hmm. and to start the civil war which is what the boogaloo is a code word for. Mm. I mean, this is kind of contrary to what that the guy, who was that guy that we, Oldman, that we uh, met, uh, interviewed right. a couple weeks ago, yeah. who was saying that, like, you know, we're just there to protest, you know, the government and police brutality and all that. But, I mean, maybe his segment or faction of the boogaloo boys are there for that. But then there's that whole, that whole faction of hardcore accelerationists who uh, are like, you know, 
who are basically groups of neo-Nazis that are going there to these protests, carrying out acts of violence against black people, against other people, with the goal of exacerbating ethnic tensions so they can start a civil war. Okay. The race war. It always comes right. back to the race war. We've never had a race war, though. That's the weird thing. But there's always you know? been a fear of one. There's always been a fear of one, but people talk about it as if they like they know what that would entail. Because <laughs> well, it's like, we, we've never had one. What, what is it? You know? There's been race riots. I guess a race war would just be, what, race riots in every city? And then I, the government just, like, packs it up? I, I mean, I, or I don't the know. Or you could rush it into one building, like the fucking beer hall putch, and then that'll be it with the government. Well, that's the thing. It just doesn't I don't, seem like a lot of thought goes into any of this shit. That, that's you know? the thing. I don't understand what these accelerationist groups really, what their end goal is. Like, what, what do they think? So they, they start some civil unrest. Do they think that, like, the government's just going to kill all the black people and then it'll be a white society and everything will be, you know, hunky-dory? I don't know what they I, I, I really don't, don't get mm. what, their, what their end game is. But the race war has been, like, a hateful ideology amongst white supremacists. You know, for for centuries, for, for years. I mean, right. it kind of dates back. I was reading an article that was kind of interesting. I mean, it kind of dates back to even before the U.S., like not even with slavery, but with Native Americans. Like there was concern that there would be a genocide if all the Indian tribes united. Mm. And so that kind of helped fuel the centuries of violence against the Native Americans. Well, I guess it shows how far we've come as a society that... um that people expect the result to be, you know, uh, this th those kinds of clashes to be a race war as opposed to, I don't know, in like 1920 when it would just would have been a massacre. <laughs> yeah, like in you Tessa. Know? Oh, yeah, like at least, <clears throat> at least it would be a war. So with the arrival of uh, slaves, African slaves to uh, Virginia in 1619, that fear that they had with the Native Americans was now aimed towards black people because they were like, you know, slaves are going to outnumber us and then they're going to revolt. Kind of like what they did in Haiti. They had a Haitian revolution in 1804 where all these... Wait, why uh, are you going that far back? Well, I'm just saying, this is where okay. that race war stems right. from. And it's crazy that it's still something we even think about today. Right. You know, so that in Haiti, you know, a number of whites who didn't, to, who didn't flee the, the French slave colony ended up being murdered. And right. so now that's the fear. Is, and that's what they, they claim, you know, uh, propels them to promote these, these racist ideologies. It because, really ruined Napoleon's day. <laughs> it certainly you did. Yeah. But what's interesting is the race war concept and fear seemed to kind of fade during the civil rights era when, like, Martin Luther King Jr. and, and uh, you know, Malcolm X and people like that started coming about it wasn't really i mean it, i guess malcolm x might have fueled the you know the the a different version of the race war but the white supremacists you know i think they started losing steam and the ku klux klan became something that was more of like a boogeyman type of group during that period um but then with the rise of uh, militant black power movements well now the white supremacists are, are back saying like oh no now we gotta you know arm ourselves and we have to be be ready for the race war that's coming. A friend and, of mine just got stabbed by the Klan like five years ago. So, I mean, I, they're, still, they're still doing stuff. Well, But you know how you know? like in the Civil War they <laughs> like, became like, they were all around like in the 50s and everything. Sure. And all of a sudden in the Civil War it yeah. became like, okay, they sort of fell out of favor. And then now they're full on back. 
Like I bet you they do like burning cross and and like country jamborees in the forest mm. like they used to. Um, I don't think they do anything like they used to anymore because nobody's racist wonder. now, right? That's the thing. Nobody's racist. Yeah, it, it's Richard not real Spencer. racist. Well, I'm not. Well, I'm not racist. <laughs> I just you know like. But it people used to admit what the fuck they were, you know. Jesus. But it kind of came to the point where they're start, started to say like, you know, they. You know, there was that we want to maintain white people have to be dominant. And that's kind of what it was when, when during the slave culture and when they owned slaves. But now you hear it's like the very survival of the white race is at risk. And that's what you have those assholes in Charlottesville saying. Mm. You know, and then, uh, and then you have these like white supremacists who now kind of, uh, and the accelerationists who want to bring about the destruction of society and they see the race war as a means to speed that up. And so, you know, in comes, uh, you know, people like William Pierce, you know, who the neo-Nazi leader who wrote the Turner Diaries, which is kind of a, have you ever actually read the Turner Diaries? I have. Yeah, I've never read it, but I kind of want to. Is it good? No, it's not, no, it's not good. No, it's you know? awful, but I mean, is it an interesting story? It's, it's, uh, it's, no, it's about on par with the Doom fan fiction written by Dylan and Klebold and Eric, whatever the fuck his name is, you know, <laughs> so it's the, basically at that level of literature. I, yeah, I thought it was more of like a political tract, but it's actually like it depicts a violent revolution in the United States, which leads to the overthrow of the federal government, a nuclear war, and ultimately after that, a race war, which leads to the systematic extermination of non-whites. Right. Um, in particular, in particular, the Jews. No, there's romance in it. You know, <laughs> I didn't know it was like a, like a battlefield Earth kind of thing. Yeah, oh, it is. I, I thought it was just like uh, you know, like this kind of boring political tract. Uh, but it's explicitly racist and anti-Semitic, and uh, it influenced a, a scores of white supremacists, from like Timothy McVeigh to Dylan Roof mm-hmm. to uh, to mm-hmm. the Order which is a, a new group that I recently learned about, which is a terrorist group that was around the early 80s that robbed banks, bombed the movie theater and a couple synagogues, and ultimately killed the Jewish radio uh, host in the early 1980s. Hmm. And it was actually the member of, a member of the order who had penned the infamous 14 words from prison. Have you ever heard this? No. So 14 words. What is that like, uh, like the... The five word, like Hemingway's five word story, um, for sale, baby shoes, slightly used or whatever, right? Isn't that <laughs> uh, where along the, the same word? lines? This is okay, kind of right. like the, like a okay. call to arms for all the, uh, the 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 white supremacists out there. This uh-huh. guy named David Lane, who is a pretty key member of the order, he wrote in prison, "We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children," and that's their their whole. That's like the. You know, they're, they're called to arms. That's their motto, you know. Okay. And so that was written like the, the early it's 80s. Pretty vague, you know. Exactly. It's like, okay, sure. I need a snack later. That's mine. You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> we must eat Wendy's Frosties. Right, uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, 30 years later, in the middle of this whole surge in white supremacy, I don't want to say it's the, the, the you know, the due to our fearless leader, but uh, there's definitely a resurgence of white supremacy. You didn't help. They're still talking about a race war. They're still, you know, they're still, this, the Turner Diaries is circulated online. 
Now you got these people on like 8chan and other anonymous internet message boards, you know, saying like, you know, this is the moment. We are here right now is when the race war is going to start. And we're going to make that happen. You know what TV show is actually based on the Turner Diaries? Uh, The Vampire Diaries. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's a fact. Look it up. I was going to say Big Little Lies, but okay, no, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So anyway, that that takes us back to the order, the order. It's a, right. which it sounds like I love how like these white supremacist guys have mm. they have like their gangs and their little crews. Like, do you mm. think they made jackets, like those satin jackets, just of course as the, the order? Yeah. No, they're all like you know. They're already like figuring out what kind of drapes they want to put up in the in the castle. You know, it's like a Heinrich Himmler, you know? It's like my grand order of Teutonic Knights. And we're get, yes, we're going to have the chair over there. No, Steve. The table goes in that corner, Steve. You know? That's they're all like that, you know? Well, I also wonder like you know, Ridiculous are they wearing weirdos. pillowcases on their heads and, mm. and do they have uniforms? Because all these guys have mm. to have uniforms. You know, even right. from like the neo-Nazi mm. skinhead dudes with their jeans and their white T-shirts and their flight jackets, it's like they they all gotta have a. The Proud Boys have their little uniforms, so I don't know what the order wore, but I'm sure they had some kind of, uh, mm. you know, that that's the thing with these white supremacists. They always have to have uniforms. Well, the thing about the order, I always kind of, uh, I guess, associated the order not with the you know the greater history of white supremacist groups but more so with like the tail end of the 1970s because in the 1970s like literally every ethnicity special interest group social concept had its own like a liberation army and blew up at least like three buildings you know yeah i mean it was definitely literally everything had its own liberation army and shit was blowing up all the time and people were like well what are you gonna do? You know, <laughs> that's that's what they do for fun. These yeah. groups. Um, this one, the order, was known as Bruder Schwiegen, which is German for "Brothers Keep Silent." Mm. You know, first <laughs> thing about the order is you don't talk about the order. Mm. Uh, Silent Brotherhood is what they're known, or less commonly, the Aryan Resistance Movement (ARM). Not silent um, enough, you know. Mm. Uh, they were active in the U.S. between September 1983 and 1984 in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. And that's the thing. There are a lot of Nazis up there. You wouldn't think there, there would be because of all the hippies in Oregon and in Washington. But there's a lot of Nazis there's a lot. in that whole area. Mm. Um, very active. So the order was actually founded by a guy named Robert J. Matthews, who's considered to be quite a martyr amongst white supremacists for the way he stood up to the U.S. government. Um, He was a Mormon, and he actually formed a a group. His first crew was the Sons of Liberty, an anti-communist militia mostly made up of Mormon survivalists and fundamentalists. And so that was his first group. And they, they would stir up some trouble every now and then, but he really took it to the next level when he started up with the the order. Because the fundamental goal of the order was a revolution against the American government, which he said was uh, controlled by a cabal of Jews. It's always the Jews. Yeah. He referred to the United States federal government as ZOG, which is an acronym for Zionist Occupied Government. Mm. So the enemy was ZOG. 
Zog the Destroyer. Hmm. And so the Order's goals was to start a race war so they could establish a homeland called the Northwest Territorial Imperative from which Jews and non-whites are not allowed. So I guess, I don't know if you, if you would have a passport. I don't know if it's, is there a sign that just says no Jews? And you're like, fuck, I guess I can't go to Seattle. I think about all these, the, these like anti-government things is that, you know, they all just started because like some guy couldn't get a permit to build his deck. <laughs> and he's like, the government, oh, I'm going to destroy them all. Like literally that, it always comes from something like that, you know? I think I think it always stems from something trivial, and then he just like yeah. blew it up out of proportion. Next thing you know, blaming the Jews and the secret cabal that controls the mm. government. Um, they're all working together to uh, fuck his deck anyway. Yeah. <laughs> prevent you from building a deck, yeah. so you can hang out with your Nazi friends. Um, so uh, Matthews here was quite active in, in the Sons of Liberty in the seventies. But during, like, probably about 10 years later, on, like, June 1983, he was at an Aryan Nations rally in Spokane, Washington. And he heard the founder of the Aryan Nation, a group called the Aryan Nations, named Richard Gernt Butler. Gernt was his nickname. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Butler was a Christian identity minister and founder of the, uh, the Aryan Nations. And he was preaching about the importance of a white homeland where no Jews and no non-whites are allowed to go. It's called I'm still kind of ill, so I'm a little out of it, but I, for, I, I honestly, for like a, 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 almost a minute, I thought you had said, started this whole thing out with an Alien Nations convention. No, Aryan. That show? Okay, like <laughs> that show Alien Nation, Nation where the alien's a cop and he's got that crazy splotchy head Wait, is and that, he's like it, allergic to salt water. Yeah, and they, they drink uh, like clotted milk. Don't they yeah. say drink sour milk or something yeah. or milk that's expired? Yeah. Is that how you got food poisoning? And he had poisoning? like a daughter and stuff. What? Is that how you got food poisoning? Yeah. I, I <laughs> tried yeah. to get drunk on uh, expired milk. I'm such an milk. enthusiast of that show. I, I drank an entire <laughs> glass of clotted milk. Did yeah. they have like their own swear word? Like for fuck? Yeah, yeah. I can't think of what it was. Mm. I used to like that show. Yeah. It was kind of cool. It was a, yeah, it was weird. Because it was like they came that I forget what I, I guess they were refugees or something because it's like the, salt water kills them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you think they like, like wouldn't want to go to a place that's like 80 percent of the planet is salt water. But but it was very similar to uh, that movie. Was that District nine? Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. You know, with the prawns, you know, um, but same kind of deal. Like then it's that I wonder what those speaking of that, what do you think those white supremacists would think at that point when now it's like, not only do you hate the Jews, you hate all the non-whites. Now we got fucking non-humans. Mm. Like, do you think they would just be like, all right, I'm fuck. We're, we're going to go and colonize the moon. That's the new plan. We're going to take off. Fuck mm. this planet. We're now going to be on the moon. It's going to be a white moon. Like, <laughs> like do you think they're going to do that? Like, I don't know what, what's going to happen. Cause now they're going to hate too many people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that definitely puts a wrench in their establishment of a white homeland. So anyway, Matthew saw um, Gernt speaking about the white homeland, and he was bowled over, completely impressed. and was like, I am full on board. I am totally on board with this. So he goes out. He calls up some of his Nazi friends, uh, David Lane, who wrote the 14 words, and uh, his friend uh, Pierce. And he said, you know what? Let's form the order. 
and this is in Medellin Falls, Washington, 1983. He's like, it's going to be a vehicle to raise money and serve as a paramilitary unit and terrorist cell for the rev- the racial revolution or race war, which is going to bring on the Northwest imperative, white homeland. So they were like ready to go. They stockpile some arms, you know, raise some money, and let's get this race war going. He wrote 14 words, all right? <laughs> That's all don't, it don't, takes. don't say don't list it as a credit like he wrote the satanic verses or something, you know? Well oh my God. in uh the white supremacist world, that's like their Bible. Like that's their motto. Okay. Yeah, that's their credo, is it this guy. Like he's mm. these guys are like martyrs in this mm. world. So uh uh Matthews was so impressed with the Turner Diaries, and uh they actually named their group, the Order, as the, which was, I guess, part of the revolutionary cell in the Turner Diaries, they took that name as their own group. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they, uh, you know, he was, uh, David, uh, Matthews was the leader and public figurehead of the Order. David Lane was the group's chief ideologue and writer. You know, hence he could write 14 words, which are so profound. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he declared that the Order will help his race become a free and sovereign people, and he declared war against the government. So now, what ended up uh, changing the order, especially, I guess, kind of a bit of a dichotomy from some of the other The groups. mistake he made, though, is when you declare war against the government, you actually have to file the forms in triplicate <laughs> when, you, when you go down to the building downtown. Do you have to do it at the DMV? Or you do, do. You? yeah, oh, okay, at the DMV. Yeah. It takes yeah. a long time. you got to make uh-huh. an appointment. It's going to take yeah. forever. Um, so Matthews came to prominence through violent criminal activities. However, the other guys who uh, were part of the order actually were, you know, kind of, um, they sort of like were more in uh, broad-based organizations that didn't, that weren't involved previously in some of the unseemly illegal activities of their followers. But then once they start up with the order, they're like, you know what? We're on board. We got to raise some money for the race war. So what are we going to do? And they had... Like, this guy, Matthews, had a whole list of uh, criminal activities he wanted to get into. Uh, They would bid on lumberjacking and timber contracts. They would counterfeit money. They had diaspora funding from overseas oil countries and robberies. Robbery was, like, one of the the first things they wanted to do. But the other guys in the group had a little bit of an ethical quandary with that. Because they're like, you know, it's, it's sinful to go out and rob people. So then Matthews was like, well, we could rob pimps and dope dealers. You know, this bunch of black people, they have criminal money. Let's go Mm. rob the criminals. So uh, they started to try to target local pimps and uh, drug dealers. But after weeks of trailing men, driving black men in, in flashy cars, they suddenly came to the realization, or slowly came to the realization, that they didn't really know what a pimp or a dope dealer actually even looked like. And so they're like, you know what? We got to go another route here. We got to switch to switch to straight robbery. So mm. their first robbery was of a porn shop, which netted them three hundred sixty nine dollars. So uh, that sounds like a big success. But I mean, in the early eighties, that's kind of a lot more money. But then they kind of graduated to more effective robberies. They robbed a bank, a series of three armored car heists. Um, and actually, in the, in the armored car robberies, they ended up taking a total of $4.1 million. Hmm. Their final armored car robbery was in Ukiah, California, Northern California, netted them $3.8 million. 
Uh, during this period, they also uh, resulted uh, or um, ended up uh, participating in some terroristic acts, such as detonating a firebomb in a movie theater in Seattle, caused no deaths or injuries. Um, they also firebombed two uh, synagogues mm. because, you know, that's where Jews hang out. Um, but one of their their uh, their major adversaries was a radio host, talk show host named Alan Berg, and uh, we were talking about this uh, earlier. But there's a uh, a uh, Oliver Stone movie called Talk Radio, which I found deeply influential as a kid. Um, saw it on my birthday, and uh, that's what made me want to go into radio. And it's about uh, where comedian Eric I don't know if he's a comedian, but writer Eric Bogosian plays a shock jock named Barry Champlain who uh, lambasts all the white supremacists and, you know, uh, will uh, make fun of them on the air and ridicule them. And he was actually shot and killed by a white supremacist uh, in, in, in real life. And so that's what actually ended up happening here. I think it was, it was based on uh, what, what happened with the order. In June 1984, Matthews, Pearson Lane ambushed and uh, killed Colorado radio talk show host Alan Berg in his driveway. You know, um, all of our detractors who listen to the show are too lazy and stupid to come kill us. Except for Boner Villain. He uh, might be you a know, threat. You know, prove me wrong, Boner <laughs> Villain. I'm still fucking alive here, you know? Yeah. Harrison let's speed just... this shit up. Let's accelerationist this shit, all right? I'm tired. Yeah, let's, like, move come forward on. here. Yeah. You know, he wants, to, he wants to found a sick and wrong free world, basically. Yeah. Mm. You know, a world that doesn't have to deal with two loudmouth Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, every week. Uh, but Berg, Alan Berg, was a Jewish liberal notorious for baiting the racists, anti-Semites, and the extreme right, including members of the order, live on the air. That was all part of the appeal. And so they hated this guy. And so, yeah, they, uh, what, they showed up one day in his driveway, tracked him down, and just shot him in the stomach. Um, but what eventually led to their ultimate downfall here was the last robbery. Uh, their final crime, which was an armed robbery of an armored car in Ukiah, California. Uh, they, met, they ended up stealing $3.8 million, but despite the success of the robbery, uh, Matthews dropped his gun on the scene. What an idiot. He dropped his gun. And that, that valuable piece of evidence you know, led to uh, fingerprints, and uh, they, they eventually... Um, the FBI eventually figured out who was responsible for this, and they had—they already had an arrest warrant out for Matthews. But they now weren't wearing gloves. Well, I don't, apparently not. I mean, mm. not only were they not wearing gloves, he doesn't have a fucking holster for his mm. gun, or yeah. I don't know, put it in your back, the back of your pants. Like, come on, who mm. leaves a gun at a crime scene? Yeah, pretty dumb. Ah, idiot. Um, so now the FBI already had an arrest warrant out. was like, let's full-on manhunt. And uh, Matthews is actually able to avoid capture, you know, hiding with different white supremacist groups for like over three months. But his cover was blown when a fellow order member named Tom Martinez, which is odd that a guy would have a Mexican... You know, isn't Martinez kind of a Mexican last name? How did he get in the group? It doesn't matter. They, yeah, they, they don't like Jews. They have no problem with Mexicans. Well, they, they don't like non-whites. They love South America. That's where they all go, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't they know. don't have a problem with that they're not. All. They're not particularly they're fond of black people. Um, That's different. Maybe it's just blacks and Jews. But anyway, yeah. Tom Martinez was actually arrested in Philadelphia for counterfeiting, and he struck up a plea bargain with the FBI and became an informant. 
and he uh, rolled over on uh, Matthews. He actually set up a meeting with Matthews in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Matthews picked him up at the airport, and they're driving with a couple of the order guys. And Martinez ended up calling the FBI, who raided the room in an attempt to arrest Matthews. There was a full shootout. Uh, Matthews actually wounded an FBI agent. He was wounded himself, but he managed to escape. Unlike the other guys from the order that were there, they were all arrested. On the run from the FBI, Matthews ended up heading towards the Canadian border to his home state of Washington, and he had a hiding place on kind of this uh, remote island called Whidbey Island. Um, FBI tracked him down. They attempted to raid his hideout, and it was a full-on like 36-hour standoff. Uh, ended up becoming a shootout, and they, uh, they killed Matthews there. And that's how he died. And his death made him a martyr. Because now it was a martyr to the movement. And so uh, people like Richard but- Butler now, like they honor him at the Aryan World Congress as, as uh, somebody who um, you know, stood up to the government and was a, you know, a proud member of the, of the, we went to of that, the goal. Didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we go every year to the Aryan to, World Congress. Yeah, okay. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Alien Con. Oh, <laughs> same deal. You get it mixed up. Do you think we'd have to wear like a special disguise at the Aryan World Congress so that we don't look so uh, Jewy? You would. I'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, you could probably pass. You're a half yeah. breed. Mm. I'd have to get like a I don't know, like a little Hitler mustache or something. Mm. Um, but yeah. So anyway, Matthews died, became a martyr, left behind a wife, a daughter, and two stepsons. Uh, ten members of the order ended up being tried and convicted under uh, the RICO statute uh, for racketeering. Um, a couple of the other guys rolled on and testified against other order members because they uh, had reduced sentences. Um, no one was actually ever charged with the murder of Berg, which is kind of crazy. And David Lane, who wrote the 14 words, he was sentenced to 190 consecutive years on charges of racketeering, conspiracy, and violating Berg's civil rights, mm. even though he was the getaway driver for when they murdered him. Uh, David Lane ended up dying in prison in 2007. Other guys are still actually incarcerated. But yeah, this, this, this group is still regarded by many white supremacists as heroes political prisoners and martyrs and hence we have where we are today where uh they're hoping that um these riots with george floyd will precipitate a full civil war like a full race war right i don't think it's gonna happen yeah personally but it's just kind of it's sort of mind-blowing that after all of this we're still at this point where Mm. people are talking about like a race war like that's something that actually could happen. Also, like, what are the sides of the war? They you know, never... are they fighting against the government? And if so, are they fighting against Trump? And like, who? You know, well, that's why I wonder about like these guys. Like, do, and who, who do, do I have to join? Trump? Like, I don't even know what's. You know, it just seems very confusing. But do they think they... Trump is working for Jews? Like, are they against I... both parties of the uh, of our political system? I don't know. It's very confusing to me. Like, I don't really know what they want. Yeah. But I do know that uh, they're not going to win. <laughs> it's right. just not, I mean, it's just not going to happen. Mm. I mean, you, you, you can't take on the U.S. government. I mean, they're, they're going to try, try their best to start a race war, but I think it's going to get shut down pretty quickly. Because, so. yeah, because there'd be, you know, if there, it, I, I can't see a civil war. I could see an amicable split, you know? 
I could see a conscious uncoupling of the, you know, the two sides of America. Yeah, but, but even think- that would be rough because it'd be like, because it'd be like, I guess I'd stay with the side that has like, you know, cinema and, you know, whatever, like <laughs> books. I guess I'd probably stay on that side. The but side at the same books. time, it's like, I don't want to eat fucking kale all the time. I don't even like kale. You know? Yeah, but I don't even know it's if rough. The, with these guys, you're talking about like, uh, you know, conservatives versus liberals, but these guys are like, we just want white people to live in the state of Washington. Everybody else can fuck off. Like, Honestly, I don't think that's ever going to happen. To me, conservatives and those people are the same. They're just like slightly different shades of of far right wing <laughs> to me. It's the same shit. Slightly to me. different shade of neo-Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Why can't these guys it's just a wider like, why, why can't these guys Nazi. just take advantage and go steal an Xbox One from Target with all the other looters? Mm. You yeah. know, and fucking settle down. Why is it always FOMO? Have to be I have a race such war? FOMO from yeah. this and this. I gotta say. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, all right. I'll try to get through this quickly so you can get out there and join. I those have a looters. felony record, though, man. I can't afford to get arrested. By these nah, that would suck. Uh, people, this episode 741 here is sick and wrong. We have some news stories coming up in a bit, and uh, we have some phone calls a little later in the show. Uh, but first, uh, here's a word about our Patreon page. Do you need more sick and wrong in your life? Do you need one more news story to make you feel normal? Are three phone calls barely enough to feed the raging beast of desire? Well, then it's time for you to get the help you need and become a Sick and Wrong patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash sickandwrong and you'll have access to exclusive Patreon-only content such as news stories, extra phone calls, and much, much more. Become a patron today and help us make a better Sick and Wrong for tomorrow. That's patreon.com slash sickandwrong. So the first story we have here has to do with a bit of a, uh, I don't know, she's kind of like a internet celebrity, sort of, but like an infamous internet celebrity, Amy Cooper. She, uh, you, might, you might have seen her. She went viral for uh, calling the uh, NYPD on a black bird watcher named Christian Cooper. Did you see that, the video in Central Park? I sure did. Yeah, she's the... Um... One of the real shining stars of the of the quarantine. Yeah, she. I would say she's the lead Karen. Yeah, like she might be like if you had to go fight a bunch of Karen bosses, she might be <laughs> at least probably. She's definitely one of the henchmen. Right. I'd almost say she's the leader of the Karens. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what was interesting about? When I was watching this. I was like, I guess I never really thought about it. I always thought bird watching was like a white person thing to do. It just seems like a very white thing to do. I just never. Somebody would've... said that to me. Somebody was like, "Oh, the part of because because it's I lived in New York for ages, but I you know I rarely ventured above even when I lived in Manhattan, I rarely ventured above Fourteenth Street. So, you know, people are like, oh, you know the the part of Central Park they were in. I don't even know what it's called. Like, yeah, I don't they're know like, either. oh yeah, that's where people go birding. <laughs> and I'm like, is that like dogging or is that like bird dogging? <laughs> like what? <laughs> like yeah, what is that? Kind of I like honestly dogging. didn't think. I'm like, it can't be bird watching because nobody does that. That's yeah, dumb. I, it's got to be some sex thing, right? No, it's bird watching. It is bird, like literally going out there with binoculars and looking at birds, which I didn't even realize. Well, first of all, I didn't realize black people did that at all. 
Like I, I not does not to make like a racist remark. I just it just didn't occur to me. I always thought it was just old white people. Like that was the yeah. thing that old white people did because you had nothing better to do. I I thought until that like weird Daisy Ridley sounding chick that called our show. Remember she's like a getting her doctorate in bird watching. Oh, oh that girl. Yeah. She was a bird watcher. Ornithologist. Actually, I think she was an ornithologist and we just oh, it's a little bit we different. Just, we just reduced her to <laughs> bird watching. <laughs> But I guess I, I guess that 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 uh, makes my point stand in that I didn't think that was a thing people actually did in modern times. I neither did I, I or at least yeah. like in a city. I mean, maybe you do mm. it in like you know if you live in Michigan or something, you go up to mm. and you, you and your retired wife, you go mm. and look at uh, look at sparrows or something. I don't know. I don't know what bird watching is like without at killing all. them. No, I think you just go and you watch mm. them, and then you. I, I don't really know what the Crazy. point of bird watching is. I don't even mm. like birds. Mm. You know, I, I've never been a fan of birds. But when I when I saw this video, I was just like, "Wow, it's probably the mm. only black bird watcher I've ever seen." <laughs> so I'm actually quite happy that the NYPD didn't arrest him, and that there was no violence towards that guy because he's a rarity. He's a rare a rarity. Um. Anyway, so Central Park Karen. That's what, that's what her name is now. Uh, once mm. accused an ex-colleague of hers of stealing $65,000 from her. Apparently, they were romantically linked. At least that's what she thought. It's a pretty interesting story. So not only is this person just a vile, racist, you know, horrible creature. Mm. She also tried to, like, obliterate the life of a former uh, colleague. Hmm. By uh, by by claiming that he stole sixty five thousand dollars from her, and then uh, also had like many other allegations against him. So she's famous now. Which, if if you think about it, if you dated a girl like this and you had an acrimonious split, isn't that one of the best things to ever happen to an ex? Like, could you imagine? Like, it's like uh, you hate it's this person better than them dating Matthew Weiner. Sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, the white woman who called police on a black bird watcher following a verbal dispute over her dog in Central Park once unsuccessfully tried suing a coworker, claiming that they were former lovers and that he stole thousands of dollars from her. So this happened back in 2015, a good five years before her recent viral video. Uh, she filed a lawsuit against a man that she claimed was a, form a former romantic partner who had bilked her out of $65,000. Uh, the target of the failed lawsuit was a guy named Martin Priest, which is kind of a cool name, Mr. Priest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he claimed that the allegations were untrue, completely fabricated, and false, claiming that Cooper, Central Park Karen, stalked him. She does seem kind of psychotic, this lady. Yeah. Now no one's going to ever date her or probably hire her. I don't know what she's going to do. She's probably going to have to move to Alaska or maybe join the white supremacist party or something. Yeah. Uh, he denied ever having a romantic relationship with Cooper and alleged that she invented the lawsuit after he broke off their friendship. He said, the idea of me having a relationship with her is simply preposterous. Balderdash. Surprise. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say that. Uh, it's foo for all, my good man. Foo for all, I say. 
Uh, Priest was mm. a consultant who'd worked with Cooper during a stint at Lehman Brothers in the uh, mid-2000s. He said the pair were colleagues and friends, but he broke off their friendship after she became obsessive. Mm. He said she was a work friend, and it turned into a stalking. He said, I had to push her away. It's kind of like when you, when you have a work wife, but she mm. thinks it's more serious than it actually is. Mm-hmm. That, that would actually be kind of an interesting movie. That's work wife. Necessarily what a work wife is, but. Kind know. of, isn't it? Like you have, your, you have your wife and your kids, but then you have yeah. this other relationship with a colleague. Yeah. That's not romantic, but it could become that way. You know? Uh, I guess. But anyway, I think mm. I think that's what happened in this situation. I think okay. it's like they work together, they're friends, and uh, mm. you know, it's probably starting to become one of those things of like, I thought we were going to Cheesecake Factory today for lunch, and he's like, mm. oh, I can't, I'm busy, and then she just starts getting really upset with him. Like, I could see. you imagine getting nagged by your coworker, like a work wife? You get nagged at home. Do you have to do both? Mm. Right. You know, that's 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 what will get to me. I think that's what happened to him. He's like, I'm gonna have to like distance myself. It's getting a little too crazy. Just getting a little too obsessive here. So he did that. He uh, he sounds like he just ghosted her and avoided her at work. Probably had to like. I wonder if you would tell your boss that you need to switch desks or something, or if you just avoid that you know that area of the office. Yeah. But anyway, she uh, she was upset, and uh, she filed a lawsuit claiming that. Uh, that they had engaged in an adulterous and intimate relationship from 2008 to 2012, and that during this relationship, he asked to borrow $100,000. She claimed that um, she partially obliged and forked over $65,000 to him, which he never repaid. Hmm. Made me think of, uh, uh, made me kind of reflect on myself here, like who I'm dating. Have you ever dated a girl that that would borrow $100,000 to you? I don't, I'm I sorry, that would lend me $100,000? Yeah, or? that you could borrow a hundred grand from. Have you ever dated a girl that would be willing to do that? I've never even dated a girl that I can get... I, I have trouble getting $50 from girls yeah. that I date. Yeah. Let alone a hundred grand. But I guess this is New York City. Mm-hmm, yeah. And Lehman Brothers, is that like a financial company yes, or something? So these yes, people are probably pulling in like, what, half a million a year? Probably, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's probably nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, Priest warned her during this period when the lawsuit came about. He said, keep the fuck out of my life or you'll get hurt. That's what she said in the suit. She said that uh, he threatened her. Um, He claims that, he goes, this was an attempt to obliterate his life. He goes, the story is completely fabricated. He said at one point he confronted her about it and she said, she's not going to stop until she sees him in the gutter. Hmm. Yeah. Like that, she's a very evil human being. That that's why, like when it when it happened with the the birdwatcher guy, it's like all he did. The birdwatcher guy was like, "Hey, you should put your dog on a leash because it's going to scare is, the birds." Which is the law. That is the law. And yeah. then she freaked out on him. It was just like this black guy's trying to kill me. And this woman is just yeah, just no moral fiber. Well, yeah. Well, she knew that like you know that was the weapon to use. Yeah, white girl in distress. Well, yeah, well, because it's like by the time, like even though he's in the right, the chances that you know it's not going to go bad for him at least initially 
is is low, you know. No, yeah, so, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, and also not to mention the fact that he's got to explain to a bunch of meathead cops that he's a black bird washer, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's the part I think that would be the most difficult uh, for them to yeah, grasp. I can't even imagine how annoying you know? that would be. No, yeah, I'm here so. watching birds. They're like, you're doing what? Yeah. It's like <laughs> that's, a, that's a a spackled hen brow right up there. Right. You know, it's like I don't even know like <laughs> a gold throated weeaboo just flew through the foliage. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what could you imagine? Like talking to a couple like meathead cops and trying to explain that that's why you're in the park yeah. and uh, you know fighting with this lady. Um, the 41 year old priest said that he acknowledged the lawsuit emerged while he was trying to finalize a divorce, which he said Cooper clearly exploited. He said he was in a troubled marriage at the time. She knew that. She exploited it, and she kept the threats going. Um, as he tried to keep away from her, that's when she got to the point she filed the lawsuit, and it did its damage, and she walked away. She didn't even go through with the lawsuit. The case was dismissed because she never even showed up for the hearing. Hmm. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think she ever, all she wanted to do was damage his reputation. And he said it did. The lawsuit did destroy his reputation. He lost his job. He said he was spit on. I don't know by who. I don't know if she <laughs> some really upset people. Uh, he was forced to they change his phone number. spit on me when I came back from Nam. Yeah. That's um, unrelated, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. I don't, were there some feminists running around that spit on? I don't know what happened. Uh, he was widely ridiculed. Uh, he said that uh, he since remarried he, and he moved to the New York City suburbs and away from the city. Um, but this must have been sweet poetic justice for this guy. Like when he like, you know, turned on CNN, he's like, dude, I, I know this girl. She did what? She's calling the police on a black bird watcher. Mm. Is she out of her mind? And sure enough, yeah, that's what happened. She, uh, she made a racialized phone call to New York police dispatchers claiming she feared for her life after a man had politely asked her to leash her dog. You know, the guy was lucky he was recording this interaction. Mm. You know? Um, she repeated the words African-American numerous times to describe Christian Cooper, which is odd that they have the same surname. And uh, during the whole video, that was the best part. Her dog was, like, freaking out because he was just like, don't do this. You know, it's not going to go well for you. Let's just go. Mm. Um, but no, and she, she still uh, proceeded to tell the operator that there's an African-American man threatening my life. And uh, no arrests were made. Uh, but news of the incident, you know, went viral and uh, she was condemned across the Internet. Mm. Uh, even Mayor Bill de Blasio said I uh, called the entire <laughs> incident racist, plain and simple. Mm. Um, she actually lost her job. She was fired from her consulting gig. She also, this is what they said in this article, which I didn't read anywhere else, but the New York Times reported that she lost her dog following the incident. How'd that happen? What? Yeah, it says she lost her dog following the incident. Jesus Christ. So I don't know if uh, they took a dog away, too. It's like a bourgeois country song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> lost her they job, took my lost her dog. Deloitte consulting gig, and they took my dog. And my now prize, she... you know, fucking pedigree. <laughs> Shih tzu. And now she earned the infamous moniker Central Park Karen, which mm. is a slang term used to describe entitled white women. Uh, you know that video's got 43 million views on uh, Twitter. Anything before with Central Park in front of it 
in terms of like a central person park or tribe. a group of people. Yeah, it's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not good. It's bad. And you that know? the worst part about it, it happened the same week as the death of George Floyd. So it's another thing. It's like, oh, great. This is the racism that is prevalent across our nation. Yeah. So it's not we, like if you, you know, me eats East Side Steve, you know, yeah. you play pool <laughs> against him. It's fine. But if you're at the bar and you meet like fucking Central Park Johnny, that means like at best he raped a dog in Central Park. Like yeah. it doesn't mean anything good. You know, that's like at best. So I don't know what, you know, the, what this evil harpy can do now other than I would leave New York if I were her. First of all, it's expensive. Uh, she probably could just move somewhere. I would just like, I don't know, start over somewhere. Maybe move That's to unique, uh, yeah. Alaska or, or yeah. where, I don't know, the South. She might do, where, do our, she might do all right in Alabama. Mm. I don't think there's any black bird watchers there. Maybe. <laughs> but, yeah. So there you go. Central Park Karen. Not only is she a horrible racist, uh, she also tried to ruin the life of a, an innocent man. Mm. So what do you have here for the second story? I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, because it is the, the law there, but it's like, I don't know. A lot of people are like afraid of dogs, you know? Well, I think the bird watcher guy was saying that, you know, your dog's going to run around and scare the birds. Right, right, right. But I mean, just to like go around in the, I mean, I know there are certain parks, I, I don't know about in New York, where you can go and there's, you can let your dog loose and stuff. But um, I think most of Central Park, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I think and I think the reason out of, is out there are people that are afraid of dogs. There are that also have been people attacked that... by dogs, and they're like to have a dog running around loose terrifies them. Well, there's you know? also people that are allergic to dogs. Right. Yeah. You know, as as some respect, it's like you, you keep your dog leashed. You know, when you're you know walking and uh, can you take dog? You take dogs on the train, right? Um, can you? I don't remember. I, 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 I don't know if I know you can if it's like uh, no I don't think you can you can't bring a dog on a, a I don't think so I, I think it's if it's like a little one you could put in a bag then yes I see but blind people doing it all the time well they can you know <laughs> fucking blind so, people can do everything yeah, yeah. except see yeah except for seeing <laughs> they can't do that very well yeah all right so uh Man acquitted of entering a home with a weapon after successful sex fantasy device defense. Whatever. Fuck it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Is that Matthew Sweet? That's Matthew. No, it's not Matthew no. Sweet. That's, uh... Yeah, it's Matthew Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Michael Hutchins, yeah. the guy who autoerotically asphyxiated mm. himself from in excess. Mm -hmm. But to me, it sounds more like Matthew Sweet. It's a B-side. All right. So Terrence Leroy found not guilty after proving that he was hired by another man to tie him up but given the wrong address. Hmm. All right. That's right. Hired by another man to tie him up. Yeah. It's All right. So this is like a, a kinky fetish type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Or... It could have been that, or it could have been like an extreme kidnapping thing. Oh. Yeah. Or it could be like a Houdini type of thing. Like, I want to escape from the, you know, the rope. 
And yeah, but there's no need to. Water. There's no need to like have a misunderstanding about that. You don't need the guy to bust into your house suddenly and unexpectedly. Yeah, right? see, to teach you, gotta... you how to get out of a. You know, <laughs> you could have him come over and be like, "Hey, here's the contract. Thank you." And you're going to drown in about two minutes if you don't get out of this uh, sailor's knot. Um, The one one thing I'm wondering about when you, because you've orchestrated these type of events, right? Don't you have to like have a contract and tell your neighbors and like plan it all out? It's kind of like getting a a permit to to film. Oh, yeah. You got to tell your neighbors. (laughs) Of course. That's always a great idea. Well, you don't want them to be alarmed. Because what if they see like a masked man showing up at the door? With, okay, like, I've rope. never done a thing where where there's a a, a a breaking and entering. You know, I thought you've there's done may, it, like, at the at the most there's entering, but you, they're not breaking nothing. You know, I thought you've done like kidnapping scenarios with knives where you force the girl in the car and then like take her into your apartment. I've usually I usually start at the apartment level. Oh, so she's already inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would, I would try my best to, or you know, do a, you know, because because like extreme kidnapping, right? You know that company, right? You've heard <laughs> extreme of them? kidnapping incorporated. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're yeah. <laughs> you're a stock, right? You. I have uh, one of their t-shirts. You go to the shareholder meetings. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know what I'm talking about? Extremekidnapping.com. Yes. Okay. Are you kidding? Or do you actually know what I'm talking about? No, is it an actual company? Yes! What? There is no company called Extreme Kidnapping. <sighs> yes, there is. All right. And you, wait, you can know... call them to arrange kidnappings? Yes. I used to have a friend of mine who worked for <laughs> them. <laughs> I thought you were making this up. No, it's a real thing. I'm like, why they've don't had we, a dicey why don't we history. Them? But we could interview the guy. All right. Adam, whatever down. his name is. I forget. A friend of mine used to work for him. Um, I don't, but I don't even remember her name though. Mm. Extreme kidnapping. Yeah. Is it so, extremekidnapping.com? I believe so. Yes. <laughs> totally thought you were joking. Yeah. It, it's like, I thought you were, yeah, that's actually what it is. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, they, they're, they do that, but it's like non-sexual kidnappings. So what, like for ransoms like what like for what then what is it free for it's like going fucking um what do they call that not bungee jumping barrel diving or whatever what do they call it wait are you saying like they'll like come wait what do we call when you just like jump off a building or something like thrill seekers yeah yeah that kind of shit yeah yeah okay so it's kind of like uh you know that um that that uh halloween haunt that really it's a lot like that it is a lot like that. Yeah, yeah they do something like that where, they, like, mm-hmm. you'll just be walking around and they'll just guys mm-hmm. will jump out of a van and put a bag over your head and pull you in a van. Yeah, but yep. see, that's something you'd have to coordinate because that could, you know, raise some alarm. You know, yeah. people call the cops. Yes. Well, okay, you coordinate with the person you're doing it to. You don't coordinate it with other people around because that's a good. That's if you can if you coordinate it with other people around you. That's a great way to get, you know, people in your apartment building to start moving for you to be fucking moved out of there. Or because you know? you'd be a weirdo. Yeah, you don't do that, okay? That's dumb. It, it would be hilarious, though, to see you be like, hi, uh, Harrison and uh, 4B. And so we're doing this thing tomorrow. Um, don't be alarmed, first of all. 
Second of all, it's not real. It's just my fantasy. Mm. <laughs> It'd be like walking around to you know the neighborhood being like, uh, hi, I'm a convicted sex offender. Yeah. Probably the same yeah. type of response. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want right? to do it. Don't do that. Um, okay. So two men t- hired to carry out a stranger's sexual fantasy of being tied up while clad in his underpants went to the wrong rural NSW address with machetes politely left after realizing their mistake. NSW. Not safe for work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a place. NS. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I know where that, uh, it's, it's a not safe for, it's a not safe for work address. Oh, okay. So they can't say where, it, where this happened. <laughs> all right. <laughs> One of the men, Terrence Leroy has now been found not guilty uh, in district court of entering the home on July 2019, intending to intimidate while armed with an offensive weapon. Hmm. So, describing the facts of the case as unusual, Judge Sean Grant said, um, has not excluded the reasonable possibility that Leroy entered the house as part of a lawful plan to carry out a sexual fantasy. So this guy, did he live alone, I'm assuming? Probably. Because you'd want to tell your mm. wife and kids. Gen- like, generally, hey, yeah, that's, that's what you want to do, yeah. Just to let you know. Could you imagine, though, if it's like uh, dad's getting kidnapped again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, just, just ignore the, the men breaking into the apartment. They carried the machetes either as a prop or something to use in that fantasy, Whoa. the judge said. Uh, in his acquittal draft, the fantasy was script- unscripted. And there was discretion as to uh, how it would be carried out. According to statements tendered, um, the man living uh, this the man wanted to be tied up and have a broom handle rubbed around his underwear. <laughs> so he wanted. <laughs> he wanted to be dry raped by a broom handle that's basically what that means that's just a more polite way of writing it in a in a family friendly article dry humped by a broom handle yeah yeah okay all right yeah i can see dry rubbing you know uh but then why why do you this was just a dry run for the dry rubbing what why do you need the machetes then for fucking ambiance. Oh, okay, just make it more yeah. authentic. Yeah, because it's like if they come in and they're like, you, you know, get in the car or whatever. It's like if they don't have a weapon, you could just be like, fuck you. This yeah, is not what I'm paying you for. This is what am I paying you people for? You know? <laughs> I, wonder where, I wonder which mm-hmm. guy had to do the uh, the ass rubbing with the broom handle. Mm-hmm. I bet or you I'd Steve. be like, do I, do I have to do that? Yeah. I did it last time. Mm-hmm. He was willing to pay $5,000 if it was, quote, really good. Let's see. That's all purely subjective. That's right. Although five grand, that's not that bad. That's pretty good. Would you do that for five grand if you work for it Extreme Kidnapping? It doesn't cost kidnapping? that much with com. I can tell you that much because I've yeah. looked into it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I have looked into that. <laughs> they were we running it out of Las Vegas them. for a while. So I was like, maybe I'll, when I go through Las Vegas, maybe I'll get that done. Um because you can get it, you can get it done by. There's different teams. There's one team where it's just like three hot chicks. Wow! Well, apparently, they're more girls. brutal than the other people. So, 
Yeah. I would love to do that like in front of my friends, like a three out girls just come and kidnap me, you know, and mm. just I'd look like such a stud. I guess so. <laughs> I'd totally impress my friends. <laughs> but you can can you here. choose people? Like, could I be like, I want to get kidnapped by three dwarves? No, that they have be teams hilarious. that they offer. That's it. They're not going to, like, hire, you know? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but it's my fantasy. They're not uh, look, really... with enough money, you can make anything happen, all right? Uh, but this is like the, you know, the $1,000 package, okay? I've always wanted to be kidnapped by dwarves. I think you could do it for as little as $500. That's so, not bad. For four right. hours, I think, $500, yes. Yeah, not bad. We got, yeah. we got Patreon money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the would-be client had a history and proclivity for engaging for engaging the services of people, <laughs> a police officer said. Wait, okay. Yeah. He Just for kidnapping or just like do. a wide it's array like, of services? It, that's it. Okay. He was really into dry cleaning. <laughs> we found... We found in his browser history. We found a lot of extre extreme dry cleaning websites. <laughs> he just really likes the services yeah, of a lot does. of different people. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Um, after making arrangements with a man on Facebook for people to engage in the role play, he sent his address, which he later updated after moving to another house. Wait, do what you think he fuck? advertised this on Facebook or did he just go find there must be Facebook groups that you could be like hey I want to be kidnapped I got five grand there's Facebook marketplace you know no oh, that's okay so you just put up an yeah. ad for that right. probably yeah um, although I don't know why he did this in the middle of a moving you know yeah he sent his address which he later updated after moving to another house you don't contract kidnappers in the middle of like a major move. <laughs> yeah, if you're moving your location, doesn't yeah. that kind of like just wait. complicate the kidnapping? Yes, it does. Yeah. Amateurs. Um, but on uh, July 14th, a resident living in the same street as the first address noticed. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just put this whole thing off until after he moved. <laughs> this is like Fargo. Yeah. Notice some light coming from his lounge room when he got up to go to the toilet. Assuming it was a friend who came daily to make a coffee, a cuppa, if you will, he yelled out, Bugger off! It's too early! Well, that, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. There's a friend that just breaks into this guy's home and makes a cup of coffee. Is that what they do in Australia? That's yeah, normal. It's a it's a Seinfeld based culture where people <laughs> will just burst into your apartment just randomly. Like opens it just oh yeah, yeah, yeah okay. All yeah. right, I see that. That's right. That's what they're right. So Kramer, the Australian Kramer is in yeah. this guy's house. Uh -huh. Bugger off, it's too early. After hearing a voice ask if his name was that of the intended client, the resident turned on his bedside light, took off his sleep. Oh, apnea mask, and saw two men. <laughs> so he had a sleep apnea mask. You know, Steel. You know who else has Steel one of those? uses one of those. I have one of those. You have one of those too. I don't use it, but I have no. it. <laughs> so, do you ever? I stopped using it because it didn't seem to help much, um, and also it's like you'd have to clean it like every day. Like ever... it's, it's a whole process to clean it because it's like if you don't. 
clean it every single day. It's like, oh, now you have tuberculosis. Oh, my oh! God. You know. Do you ever involve that in any kind of sexual play? Do you ever involve your fucking inhaler? You know? <laughs> I've tried. Yeah. He so. <laughs> saw two men standing next to his bed. They carried machetes pointed down towards the ground. They started to leave after he told them his name. <laughs> it's like a total misunderstanding here. We're supposed to kidnap this guy, rub a yeah. broom on his ass, not penetrate him, just do a dry, a dry rub. Yeah. And uh, then- Wait, where are you guys going? Come on. <laughs> Stay for a cuppa. Yeah, have a cuppa. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, which was not that of the intended client. See, at so least wait, he did that. That's good. Did he call the cops on him? Like, how'd they get caught? One man apologized, saying, Sorry, mate, and shook the resident's hand while the other said, Bye, before they drove <laughs> off. The resident then contacted the police. No, all right. Yeah, so. That's how they got caught. They probably should have um, explained it more, you know? <laughs> I just think it's I don't know if I had just moved into a house, right? Because this is what happened. He, it's, it's the old address of the guy. So clearly this guy just moved into this house. If two guys show up in a machete and they're like, we're going to kill you, Alan. And he's like, I'm Mike. And they're like, oh, sorry. And they leave. Clearly they were there for the other uh, guy who was there before you. And maybe you just go back to bed at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, they're Come definitely on. not real kidnappers. Because don't you think yeah. real kidnappers, if you showed up and they're like, hey, mm-hmm. are you Alan? You're like, no, I'm Clarence. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, wrong house. They, normally yeah. that wouldn't happen. They, yeah. You'd still probably get kidnapped. Or at least that's, that's how it would work in this country. Yeah. I don't know about Australia. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, I mean, at least give them a Vegemite sandwich. Or a know? Foster's. Yeah. So... Uh-oh, there's a protest in my neighborhood. Um, Shit, are they going to loot you? Oh, this is from a day ago. Never mind. Damn. Oof. All right. So what uh, What happened? Did they end up like uh, having to go to court and then get the guy, the pervert involved? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when the men and their driver arrived at the correct address, the would-be customer noticed one had a great big knife in his pants. Maybe he was just happy to see him. Which he put in the car after being told not to bring it inside. What the fuck is going on? I don't even get this. Wait, so they showed up at the correct address. How'd they get the correct address? I don't know. Apparently he he sent them both addresses at some point. Okay, Okay, all right. So they went went to the the wrong wrong one. one. Then they go to the right one. They show up and the guy's like, I said no knives, only brooms. That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they had coffee and the client made bacon, eggs, and noodles before Leroy fell asleep on the couch. What the fuck kind of kidnapping is this? This is like the worst kidnapping I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, it's not even like there's nothing authentic about it. There's no terror. Did he end up paying him five grand? Well, I would hope not. Uh, Police turned up soon after and found the machetes in the car. The judge um, 
said Leroy was one of the men who entered the first house with a machete, but um, the prosecution hadn't proved that his intention had been to intimidate. Leroy's barrister successfully submitted the entry was for a non-criminal purpose. It was for a commercial agreement to tie up and stroke a semi-naked man in his underpants with a broom, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the lawyer says. That's what he successfully argued in court. The funny thing about this is now mm. that now everybody knows. It's like now, like your family knows about this. Like if the, if my if this happened to my brother, mm. I would never stop mentioning it. I don't, but we don't know the guy's name. I guess, but I mean the the kidnappers do. I would mention it to the kidnappers, or because now you know the kidnappers' name. I'd still, uh, if that was, if my brother was one of the kidnappers, I'd still bring it up. Oh, I see. You know, look, a job's a job, man. They did five you know? grand. That's, what are you I, gonna... would, I would be tempted to do that for five yeah. grand. Jesus. Yeah, why not? Ooh. Especially in this economy. Mm. Well, all right. All right. So, uh, so no charges were filed, then, right? Everyone just had a great. A uh, uproarious laugh. Grand old time. Yeah. A grand old time. All mm. right. There you go. Mm. Hmm. Although extreme kidnapping, it's, I'm, I'm going to contact them. I want to see how this works. Do you know if they're still around? Um, they are. They, w- and, they went away for, the, you know, if you have a company like that, it's going to run into some troubles, right? I know they went away for a while, and then at some point they were like, we're only doing corporate gigs now. And the the corporate whatever that means the court no the corporate gigs are for like if you you know work for a company that does consulting in like Kuwait. So wait, like, so they'll is, go into Kuwait and then uh... no, they talk to fucking people who are like consultants that have to go to like places where they could conceivably get kidnapped and they prepare them for that. Oh, so it's yeah. legit now. Well, no, it's always been legit. But that was always part of their business. And at some point, they're like, we're only doing that now for legal reasons. But now they're doing the other shit again, too. So, huh. How are they yeah. handling the whole social distancing during COVID? <laughs> I don't know. I hope they're wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, people, send your stories. Sick Podcast gmail.com with some phone calls coming up next but first uh, here's a word from Adam and Eve hey guys it's me Stephen I'm a huge fan of your show thanks to your awesome coupon code diddle I can buy myself loads of good sex toys since both of my wives died my Logaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle D-I-D-D-L-E I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Uh, the first call, you know, I don't even know how to preface this one. <laughs> I'm just going to play it. 
Harry Dean uh, and Harrison. Uh, I was just thinking about the time that uh, in high school where I wasn't I wasn't a very cool person in high school. I just recently found out found out that. Uh, I was apparently known as the kid who used to run around with a tennis racket. Yeah. Uh, can you elaborate, maybe? <laughs> Were you on the tennis team? Or, yeah. like, uh, you know. I mean, if he was on the tennis team, it would make sense. But if he didn't play tennis, then why do you have the tennis racket? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny, though. He's just the tennis racket kid. Right. Uh, anyway, there was this one time where I was in a pretty low point, but I actually managed to get a girlfriend for a while. And then uh, one day she asked me to meet up with her in a park. She just walked up to me and said that I was the guy who made her uh, realize that she's actually a lesbian. And then she just walked away. And we didn't. And also, I'm more interested in badminton, I realized. <laughs> no! <laughs> Not badminton. Yeah. Wow. So, it seems like a short-lived... Do you think that was his only relationship? Like, after that, he's like, I'm done. I'm done with human relationships. Um, maybe. You know? know? I'm sure... I mean, I'm sure he sends a lot of creepy letters to Steffi Graf, you know? <laughs> Uh, or so. Venus Williams. Yeah. Tennis record kid. There's a little bit more. Speak to me after that again. And that was it. She never spoke to him after that again. I'm sorry. Is that it? That, that was it. He maybe, just maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like you would have a fun observation on that. Or maybe you learned something from that. Or maybe you could have given any other information that would have made that information at least appear meaningful or made that anecdote make any kind of sense i mean it's just like you said that you found out recently that they called you the tennis racket kid and then you did manage to get a girlfriend it was a low point in your life you managed to get a girlfriend and she just had had you meet her in the park so she could tell you that you've made her a lesbian (sighs) wow (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, that's a great story. Get this guy into the Iowa creative writing program. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing story. It kind of reminds me of like a kid you know? from like a Todd Salons movie or something. Yeah. You know, uh, all right. Well, there you go. We got to, we gotta, you know, let's start, let's animate, let's get him a show on Netflix where we animate his, his stories, his fascinating stories that he tells. <laughs> yeah, like Nick know? Kroll. Yeah, yeah. This would be like Nick Kroll's show with mm. that that show of this coming of age, uh, coming of age sitcom, animated mm. sitcom about the tennis racket kid. Yeah, I think you're onto something there, Harrison. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you there, tennis racket kid. I look forward to hearing more of your non sequitur adventures. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Next guy here. Uh, this guy. I don't know how to take this call. I don't know if it's like uh, you know if he's being a critic. Or if, uh, or if he actually genuinely is interested in, uh, in our opinion. But here you go. 
Hey guys, just calling in to get your opinion on Joe Rogan's new $100 million podcast deal. He signed with Spotify or whatever it is. And I figure you must be pretty bitter about that considering you've been podcasting now for like 30 years or something. Um, yeah, that was the end game for us. That's really what we were pushing for all this time. Yeah, the $100 million deal. Yeah, that's, that's really what we were expecting and hoping for. <laughs> I you mean, know? That, that's been my goal all along, you yeah. know, to, to, to make millions of dollars doing this. Yeah. You know, it's a, that. So, yeah, you know, I am yeah. surprised that we're not there yet. And we've been doing this about 28 years, actually, not quite 30. Um, but anyway, oh, uh, I mean, so it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't just, you know, it's I mean, it's not like I just do this every week because I'm compelled to by um a rabbi trained guilt monger it's because you know i'm really going for the spotify contract that's what i'm expecting yeah you know we're, we're just literally is... every single person who lives in this entire neighborhood i live in has a podcast all right i th th you know that little news bit of whatever it might be your only fucking run in with the genre other than us but my god man come on it's just funny to me that if this guy actually thinks that my goal was to be rich and successful from doing this podcast. I certainly wouldn't be doing it this long. Right, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. probably would have quit about, I don't know, maybe 10 to 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. right. But anyway, he, he, he goes on. Podcasted. Uh, I think it's completely unfair that you guys have been doing it so long and he's signing these fair. big multi-million pound deals and you know, you're still doing it in your bedroom. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the content of the show... The professional setup. I, I don't really see the difference between the two podcasts myself. Oh, I can tell you one. Is Joe Rogan. I can't a even tell. Successful... Is he being sarcastic or is he not being sarcastic? That's that's what I'm saying. It's hard to gauge. I can't even tell. I can't tell if he's being a critic or if he actually really does, you know, genuinely feel that we should be that successful as Rogan. I can tell you one major difference between me. If and he Joe was Rogan. from London, I'd be able to tell. But no, he's from some other godforsaken place in the north, Southampton so or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Joe Rogan's a millionaire. He's a successful actor, mm. millionaire with a lot of money, mm. and he has lots of friends and mm. other comedians, so he can get like really famous people to be on his show. That's a big crucial difference to a successful podcast mm. to one that will never be successful. I think right. you can figure out which one's which one is the latter. <laughs> mm. uh, on a completely unrelated note. I really enjoyed last week's episode talking about the internet furry celebrity. Um, particularly enjoyed the level of detail you went into about shagging dogs. Um, okay. I also enjoyed Harrison's microphone volume going up and down every three seconds. I don't know if that was uh, technical difficulties or you just can't fucking sit still. But yeah, I don't really get it. It's neither, really. But I'm not even going to get into it with you because... <laughs> that had to piss you off today, though, right? I value <laughs> this guy's opinion like. <laughs> oh, my I'm sure God. It's going to keep you up at night. Yeah. Uh huh. I think you guys should have been the first ones to sign that deal. Anyway, I'd like to know your opinion. Keep it sick, keep it wrong. Bye. I guess my opinion would be Joe Rogan really deserves that money and success and fame because he's yeah. such a great guy, you know? Yeah. 
That's he's doing so much good in this world that, and he's just so profound the way he you know yeah. is able to extol his wisdom. That I think it's it's great that he's making millions of dollars and we're not. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just in the way he says "whoa" every two minutes when he's interviewing someone, but, I mean, really, the- really makes me think. Really gets me thinking. Or how he could turn everything into like thoughts on his how it can affect his workout. You know, that's really interesting. Well, I just think, and also really like how every single subject somehow relates to Jeffrey Epstein and how he didn't kill himself. You know, I just think it's brilliant the type of thoughts that he can have while you know mm-hmm. under the influence of THC. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing the uh, the yeah the 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 mind expanding mm-hmm. wisdom and and things that we learn from that show. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's it, I can see how how it's so influential why he deserves to make millions of dollars. But I just want to point out it's also a preposterous question mm-hmm. to even ask us because that's like saying. Are you jealous of Adam Carolla or Howard Stern? It's like these mm. Joe Rogan <laughs> was like Joe Rogan was a successful actor. I mm. mean, he was already and, and a mm. UFC like host before he even started podcasting. Mm. If you're a famous guy, mm. yeah, it's a lot easier to do a podcast, especially when people yeah. that when all they care about is your fucking famous friends that that come and be on your stupid show. Yeah. So, am I bitter? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm not trying to make money from you know this. What? Instead of hiring me, you should have got Joey Diaz. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a yeah, great idea. Yeah, that's what you should have done. Then you'd be in that position. So. Or Jamie Kennedy. Right. You know, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. host. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't really care. I don't really think much about Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know, the podcast that make me bitter is last podcast on the left. Fuck them. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we we uh, Thank you there, uh, guy. I already shut the call there. What's his name? I think I missed it. I, oh, I know Adam. those guys have, have probably locks of Manson's hair instead of strands. Oh, you if know? you had Rogan money. Mm. Yeah, but you'll never be as intelligent or as witty as him. So, no. you know, no. why even try? Yeah. Um, He's like a podcast shaman. Maybe I should start doing steroids. Maybe that would help. That could that could do it. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. take some jujitsu. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, next call we have here is uh, from Violet, who's calling in with a, I don't know, kind of a bizarre story about a stuffed animal. Mm. It's kind of like, it reminds me of that that uh, horror movie, Annabelle. Mm. Hi, Dee. Hi, Harrison. This is Allison, a.k.a. also known as Violet, calling you to relate oh, the story the about That's a stuffed right. animal. So yeah. Um, she, she Actually, I was going to... Thank her in a bit because she's yeah. she sent a, a box of forty and times, um, which uh, I'll probably have to split with you. Okay. But yeah, no, she sent this like big, huge box mm. of forty and times like back issues, which is really awesome. And That's I was great. totally stoked when I got that. She also sent a uh, she gave me a little nice note here that says, "Enjoy the back issues of uh, FT." Lots of. I don't even know what, what this is. It says, like, lots of C2C shows on the flash drive. Oh, and it's... Um, what's C2C? Coast to Coast. coast, to coast. Oh, Coast to Coast. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, all right. That's that's actually really cool. Uh, she said, no porn, sorry. You can get your own porn. Um, you can make your own porn viewing decisions. So thank you there, Allison. Hmm. And, uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. It's a really cool right. thing to send. With whom I had a very uh, freaky uh, incident back in the late 80s. I had a, a roommate who I lived with who was from Kentucky. And um, I went down to uh, Kentucky with her for spring break and met all of her crazy friends in Lexington, Kentucky, which is a college town and um, has a lot of good music and everything, and um, went down, met them, smoked some pot um, in it from an ice bong, which made me just totally high. An ice bong. They still do that these days. I have no idea. Do you ever do that, that in is, college? No. Oh, yeah, no. It was, it was like a thing. Like uh, I remember... I went to New York my freshman year, and I got a graphics bong. It was like plastic bongs. So you couldn't even buy those in Michigan. And I went and bought one. I brought it back in my luggage. And you just, like, fill the thing with ice. And it was like – or sometimes you just put snow in it, like actual snow from outside. And it was, like, the best hit. It was just, like, smooth. And you could – and, uh, yeah. It's kind of like Joe Rogan, you know. You get super high like Rogan and start expounding about the universe. Yeah. When in your ice bong. And uh, stay in touch with those guys after we came back from spring break. Um, and somebody had given me a a stuffed Pillsbury Doughboy stuffed animal. And one night... When is that a stuffed animal, though? Yeah. The Pillsbury Doughboy is a boy. Stuffed I mean, plush... A plush thing. Dolls, a are, plush doll. are still stuffed animals. Even if it's a human or, or yep. an anthropomorphized yes, creature? Yes, that's, that's the rule. All right. Yeah. I was home alone. Under the light of a full moon, I decided to transform it on a whim, and I, uh, I disemboweled it, and I put Jesus. some food coloring in its guts. I, um, I gave it a bloody it. paper fork and a bloody paper knife, and I made its eyes all bloodshot and uh, did something to the, the, the cat. This is why you don't do marijuana. Mm. Not even once. So what happens. And made it a cape. Um, and on the back it said, Devil Doughboy. And then I stuck a clove cigarette in its mouth. And It's a cake? I kind of... Oh, a cake. <laughs> she okay. made it. Oh, she uh... called it the Devil Doughboy. She like right. made it all hot topic. Mm. And she had Devil Doughboy and she made a cape. She gave it a cape. Hmm. So. I was down and realized what I had done. Under the light of the full moon, I had totally transformed this stuffed animal into something really freaky. So Do you think she made a Joe Rogan effigy? <laughs> that she could know. worship? <laughs> you should do that. We're put, the only... Yeah, I think we're the like only the ones Manson's, thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, but put the Manson's hair on it, and then maybe we could yeah. get some of his fortune... Oh, okay. You yeah. know, I mean, you mm. do chaos magic. Mm. Maybe that's what we need to do. Yeah. Put it in a box, and I put a book on top of it so it wouldn't get out and kill me in the middle of the night. And then I decided it had to go. So I sent it to uh, my roommate. Do you remember in uh, that movie Child's Play when uh, Brad, is it Brad Dorff? Isn't he the guy that played mm. the serial killer? When yeah. he, what, was the, what did he say when he was transferring his spirit into the doll? It was like, Ooh, mama do a loop. Ooh, bop, I wonder if she did some scat type of incantation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, one time I, when I was a kid, I had um, this Ronald McDonald doll. 
or this Ronald McDonald stuffed animal. God, that would right? scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And it was like, and he had like shoes. He had like real shoes on. Um, and uh, he had a whistle around his neck. And his, his face was made of, I don't know, like porcelain, not porcelain, but it was like pla- hard plastic. And you could put the whistle in his mouth and then you squeeze him and he blows the whistle. God. That's but he looked shit. terrifying. <laughs> and I used to just, he was in the, like this closet of mine and I'd lay there trying to go to sleep and I'd just think about him in the closet. And <laughs> I'd just, just think about him, him <laughs> bursting out of there, you know, like, or like as soon as I fall asleep, he's going to come out, you know, like, and I, I ended up just walling him up in the basement. <laughs> I would have tried to slip him in the garbage or something. I felt like he'd come back. Or I felt like, I don't know, for some reason that made me more nervous. So I found like kind of a um, uh, kind of a space in the wall in the basement. I kind of put him in there and then just kind of put some like more st- stones and bricks. It's like the cask of, of Amontillado. Yeah, exactly. You know? My, probably uh, still there. Some kids who moved in that house after <laughs> probably found it. could find it. Yeah. <laughs> My also, they probably also found the uh, scores of LSD and mushrooms. I hit all of that basement, probably. You know, ketamine, <laughs> all of the joint. My brother was like, when he was a kid, because he was born in Chicago, I was born in mm. Louisiana. But my brother, like, I don't know if he actually liked Bozo the Clown or if my grandparents thought he did. Mm. But my yeah. brother just had everything Bozo, like, mm. uh, you know, like. A bed, a bed frame that was all Bozo the Clown, and a headboard that was a big thing of Bozo, and then like Bozo the Clown pajamas, and like a Bozo the Clown nightstand, and just everything was Bozo the Clown. Mm. And for some reason, I don't know if it's because my parents are cheap or whatever, they're just like, well, let's just give it to David now, because he's a kid. And so I end up just getting beyond any like you know decision that I could make. I just got all like inherited all my brother's bozo stuff when he mm. became too old to play with it. And mm. I it just terrified me. I get terrified, man. I couldn't sleep at night. I was fucking I still don't like clowns, but it was mainly because of this, like the dolls, the bo- everything. And so I, I got it got to the point where my parents were just like, We're just gonna have to throw it all away. Because I couldn't sleep in the room. I was scared to death of it. Mm. And so they ended up uh I imagine that shit would be worth a lot of money now vintage bozo the clown but it was just like why would you think a kid would be into that yeah that is weird it's weird anyway that's odd yeah yeah like it was the whole room was all bozoed out still fucking freaks me out friends in muskington i knew they'd appreciate it and they did and they had a great time with it and they had it out you know during their parties and everything and then it ended up in a closet apparently because a couple years afterwards I had heard that their house burned down, and um, one of the only things that survived the fire intact was my devil doughboy. Whoa. And that freaked me out even more. Anyway. Wait, I'm sorry. How did you hear that, though? She, I guess these were her friends from college, and their house burned down, and this thing survived. They probably called her and were like... Oh, it was her friends who lived there after. Yeah, it was her oh, friend's house okay. and the house All burned right. down, but the only gotcha. thing that survived intact was this creepy mm. devil doughboy. Hmm. Keep it sick, hmm. keep it wrong. I'll call back with some of my other hmm. crazy stories. Um, some of my bondage stuff, my sub stuff, and um, what? tell you about one of my favorite subs. And uh, love you guys. And... Uh, can't get enough of the podcast. 
Bye. I really like Violet. She's an interesting person. Yes. And what plus, uh, stuff? What is she has? She, oh, no, she dominatrix or something? Yeah, she called in about the Violet yeah. Wand. Remember that? I remember her talking about it, but I don't know if she was like. Oh yeah, I think she's like a. Well, she's definitely into the whole S and M scene, so we want to hear about all of that. So uh, yes. yeah, Violet, definitely call us back, mm. and thank you again for the forty and times. It was really cool. Uh, final call we have here is remember that guy who was like a homeless guy and then he became a preacher. Remember that? Yes, I do remember. Uh, and we had a bunch of questions for him based on his last call, so he called back to respond to our yeah, questions. Yeah, his story was pretty interesting, but not 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 at all as interesting as the guy who, in high school, he had a tennis racket, and then one time someone broke up with him. <laughs> and became that a was lesbian. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, that was one of the most interesting calls I think I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah, definitely. You know? I'm yeah. still thinking about it. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to get really high later. <laughs> And then try to understand, like, comprehend the meaning of that. I might actually yeah. have to listen to a couple episodes of Joe Rogan's show. It's probably like Prometheus. Like, I wasn't really into it at the time, but I'll be thinking about it for the, for weeks now. You know, the same with me. Well, mm. I think you're going to try to decipher the metaphors that yeah. lay within the tennis racket. Obviously, means something. Yeah. I haven't decided what it mm. what that is yet, or I haven't been able to, to actually fully comprehend what that means. But yeah. I will, maybe in yeah. two weeks. All right, here's the preacher calling back. Hello, Brother D, Brother Harrison. This is the atheist preacher. Uh, AP. I'm just calling to uh, clarify a few things about my last call. Uh, number one, uh, I have had formal training, kind of, sort of. I've been an apprentice for a while. Um, I'm not currently uh, shagging any of the congregants however not currently but definitely on the horizon i did want to tell you about something that i wasn't around for but something i've heard and happened was that a few years before i started we found out that uh one of the uh, former preachers was banging several different wives uh, in the congregation and yeah. causing a lot of problems. But uh, I wanted to let you guys know that I am, I have accepted the job. Yeah. And that I've, they're going, apparently they're going to be sending me to uh, a seminary. So, see, there is a preacher school. I thought it was just something that you just kind of are born with, you know? No, because there's a seminary, of course. Yeah. But I thought, like, I, what, what do, where do Catholic, I know there's a seminary for, like, Catholic priests, but do, there's, like, there's Baptist There's a seminary ministers? for uh, these godless Protestants, too. Oh, know? okay, they actually have to go. Yeah. So there is formal education, okay. Yeah, it just doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think it's the thing. Like, what, like, with Catholic priests, there's actually, like, a lot of stuff you kind of got to know, and there's a whole, you know, it's almost like learning the entire you know, universe of Harry Potter. You yeah, know, like you actually do creatures, and it's like, like, <laughs> like with Catholicism, it's like, oh, I gotta know, you know, what to do in case of an incubus or whatever, but can't, or can't what you, to do in case of teenagers listening to the and, band Incubus. Uh, <laughs> and but exorcisms like, and all that. yeah, with Protestants, it's kind of just like they have seminaries, but it's kind of whatever. I you thought can kind you of get, just riff, and it's it doesn't matter. I thought you can get like a preacher certificate in the back of a comic book. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah. I've done that. 
Okay, yeah. yeah I, I, did, I did that in uh, Weekly World News. And that's how I married my sister. That's why I didn't yeah. know it was like there was an actual school or seminary. Because again, with Protestantism, again, you don't need somebody else to give you a relationship with God. You just you can just read the Bible, and if you're smart enough, you can figure shit out. Well, like you know? Jim Jones, was he an actual reverend? He was. Like, did he go to school? For I it? don't know. I think he did actually go to school he had for formal it. training. Yeah, but it, but it's one of those things where it's like, even if he didn't, he was a really smart guy who was incredibly charismatic. charismatic. So and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he could do it. Yeah, I mean, he was a white guy who like had an all black, pretty almost all black congregation. You know, like he was incredibly good at just uh, connecting with people. You know, kind of like Joe Rogan. Kind of like Joe Rogan, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would drink Joe Rogan's Kool Aid if yeah. it'd make me more of an alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> a boot camp thing for I think they said three months. Uh, I'll give you some updates about any. Wait, it's a three month course to become a preacher. <laughs> that sounds short. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely like mm. he he definitely found this like preacher mm. school in the back of a comic book. I mean, it's certainly not because I like get the impression that, yeah, this seems like the crash course, you know, <laughs> it's like like uh, Fe uh, University of Phoenix <laughs> version. This is like the it's not like, you know, like, I, I don't know, like Martin Luther King, his doctorate was in theology. I think he actually like I think it took a few years, you know, with that one. Uh, <laughs> this probably isn't as is it as good as that. 90 day course. You're yeah. a preacher now. Mm. I mean, I took I, I took a I took a class last week, just because I was bored, like an online class, in the shadow self. What did wait, wait the shadow? You, know, did you talk to the shadow people? No, the shadow self, the like you know the part the dark side of people and how to use it. Oh wait, so now you're like a Sith Lord. Yeah, after the two-hour Zoom class, <laughs> I'm now a Sith Lord. Exactly. All right. All yep. about the dark side. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it works for preachers. Yeah. But uh, thanks for playing my call. I appreciate it. You guys uh, keep it soft and keep it warm. See ya. Uh, pretty funny. Uh, well, thank you there, Atheist Preacher. I would like to mm. hear about the 30-day the or the 90-day seminary that you're going to. I want to see what was goes he, on there. Do you think it's like was, the Police Academy movies? Definitely. <laughs> Proctor. You, know? you got to put glue in a shampoo. That's what you got to do. You know what? Uh, mm -hmm. When my father... So my father was a rabbi in Basie, Michigan. That's where I went to high school. And then he sort of retired. but became like a, yeah. like, a assist, like a junior rabbi or a dip, like a... I don't know what the... Associate rabbi? Associate rabbi. At like a congregation in Detroit when he retired. But the rabbi that replaced him in Bay City, similar thing happened. Like this guy came in and started banging two congregants. And mm -hmm. one, he like, she moved, to, like he took the money or he took money from the temple and moved her to like South America. And mm -hmm. she became like his secret concubine. And the, the guy was married trail too. Yeah. In South America. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it was like a big, it was a huge controversy. They're like, mm. you know, this rabbi came in and he was all shady. So I imagine it's, I mean, if you think about it, you know, preachers and rabbis and spiritual figures like that have a lot of influence. It's probably pretty easy to get laid. I would have a hard time not doing that, I feel like. 
Same to me. In it's the like, same way that I feel like I would have a hard time, like, if I was a cop, I would have a hard time, like, not just pulling a drug dealer over and taking his money and be like, get the fuck out of here. You know? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I just do that drugs. all the time. How would I not do that? Why would I not Why would do you that? not do that? Yeah. You know, so, I don't, I think mm. that's a victimless crime. Yeah. Really. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like if you're a college professor, wouldn't you bang your students? I mean, I would wait maybe till they're not in my class because I wouldn't want the drama. No, yeah, you can't do it while they're in your class. But I definitely would be banging my students. I think that's one of the perks of being and the benefits of being a college professor. So, so it certainly used to happens. be one of them, D. Oh, yeah. You know? Maybe not now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get me tooed. Um, you have to be respectful when you bang your college students. Anyway, I thank you there, preacher, preacher man. I'd, I'd like to hear how the seminary goes and mazel tov on the new position. Uh, we did get one other thing that was interesting emailed to us. This guy named Matt, he sent us a song that he made, a sick and wrong song. He said, the lockdown madness has set in, and here's a song. So he made us a song. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling blue, people don't despair, there's something you can do. Tune in to Sick and Rock Podcast, you weirdos and you freaks. Dean Harrison will make you laugh every fucking week. You got Steel and Schnitzy too, Jizzy Jake and Fitfulness. Fuck all those other shows, Sick and Wrong is the best. All right, there you go. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, D. As soon as we're done with this, I'm hoping it'll be like pretty soon. Uh, I'm going to huff computer duster until I fall down and I don't have thoughts anymore. After that's, that, I think you need to do that. That's my know? plan for the evening. So, Do you think Joe Rogan never has to listen to uh, songs like that? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan, the thinking man's Howard Stern. <laughs> Yeah, he's the intellectual Stern. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you there, Matt, for sending that in. And thank you, people, for calling the Sigurong Hotline. 323-522-4032 is that number. Uh, finally, best way to support the show is by becoming a Sick and Wrong patron. Just go to patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Every week, we add more and more content. Uh, you know, last, uh, last night, we were on for a good couple hours. I got really drunk last night, actually, doing the show. It might sound a bit. It might sound a bit wacky at the end. Um, you I know, think... I once applied to go to grad school for religious studies. Did you? Yep. To be. I like... didn't end up going. Oh, so what were go. you going to do? Like, be a, a minister or something? I don't know. A reverend, rabbi. Like a like um. A moil. No, I, I was I was thinking some kind of like necromancer or something. Oh, you know? you're gonna do? They don't have like a school yeah. for necromancy, do they? No, but I don't. I figure that's a way you can get there. You know, you gotta get your foot in the door somehow, D. I in guess the it, necromancy game, right? You should almost start a necromancy school and mm. just advertise in the back of a comic book, right? <laughs> well, we don't have comic books anymore, sadly. So, oh yeah, that know. sucks. Yeah. Can't get the X-ray specs anymore. No, or the submarine. You know or that was submarine. actually a thing. 
Was that a real? But could it you... was a weird thing that they would send you, but it was technically a working submarine. Yeah, but how large was it? It was like the size of. It was like I don't know, five feet long or something. But so, wait, you could actually use that because I remember I always wanted it. to get the. I submarine. saw a YouTube video on it where they actually had the thing that was sent out. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's cooler than our Patreon. Mm. Say that a sub a submarine from a comic book, mm. but we do have a lot of cool shit on Patreon. And this week I'm going to be posting a lot more. Got really drunk. We talked about uh, all sorts of things about the riots and how much we wanted to go looting. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had a I can't remember what was the story that we did, but it was hilarious as usual. So anyway, just go to Patreon.com/slash/SickAndWrong. We appreciate the support and it keeps the show going. Um, and you get to get on the Discord. That's how you get Discord leak. Um, right, and Rogues. also apparently um, the Wad's mom is some kind of medieval doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I forgot about. Yeah, the Wad's mom. And the, that was the best. She like exsanguinated the blood out of one of her husbands and like replaced it with semen or something. It was really yeah. weird. No, I don't even know what know. was happening. I mean, yeah. at one point, I think I think that's why I was so drunk I couldn't even comprehend what she was talking about. Yeah. But we've been playing this like three part thing. Next mm. week will be the third part where we talk about the Wad's mom's other husbands, other than the guy that was uh, that, that was. She the was Wad's also dad. talking about all the professional athletes that, as adults, got sudden infant death syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was good. It was good. So the only yeah. place you can hear that is on Patreon. I uh, finally hear Sigarong Song of the Week. I want to give a plug to one of our listeners who's actually in a pretty cool band. Doesn't happen very often. It's, it's that's a one thing. One other time I could think of. I can't. I can't even really think of any off the top yeah, of my head. Big Papa Smurf. Oh, he was in a his, good band. Yeah, I like the song he sings. Yeah, we've we've had a couple. Yeah, we've had a couple that have come around, but I mean, it's few and far between. But I really like her band. Her band's Mm. called Goldie Dawn. Um, It's Kate Kate Rambo from Goldie Dawn, so listen to the show. And uh, yeah, they're great. They just came out with their debut seven inch. Uh, You can get it at the at their website, their Bandcamp site, uh, GoldieDawn.bandcamp.com. you can actually listen to the whole thing there too, but you can buy it. I think it's sold out now, but uh, and I think they're playing this never at nowhere because no one's playing anywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of sucks when you have like yeah, a, an EP or a seven inch that comes out and you can't play. Uh, but they're—I actually think they're really good. It's kind of like it's got that '70s punk kind of feel. I actually really like it. And I was in, I'm always impressed when we have like fans and you know tell us about the, the band that they're in or send us a song and you're just like, wow, this is actually fucking good. <laughs> I was shocked. I mean, I because I, I generally if I listen to any like rock music recorded after 1984, I go in expecting to dislike it. I have biases, <laughs> right? I have biases. See, I like and when music I don't, I'm almost kind of like, oh man, this is gonna be hard to rectify in my own personal. Belief system. <laughs> like it this. changes your your perception of music. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, yeah. The, these guys are great. So yeah. just go to Goldie Dawn, G O L D I E Dawn dot and check it out. We're gonna end the show here with a song called "Gone with the Wild." Um, really cool band. Uh, people will be back next week with episode seven forty two. Till then, take it sleazy. <laughs>
This is Bob Madigan, and you're living, ah, listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and run. Yes, you're listening to Sick and Run, and this is Bob Madigan, and uh, I hope you're still going to listen later on, dude. <laughs>